G'day everyone, welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast Series. Thank you for joining me. By way of introduction, my guest today has been an ambassador for Headspace. He is an actor, a mental health advocate, and the founder of Move Your Mind. Can I welcome to the podcast, Nick Brax. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's good to connect with you uh, from all the way from New York. And a, and a huge thank you from me because when we organised this and, and we made the time to speak, I thought you were still based in Melbourne. So for those listening, uh, Nick is now at eight o'clock at night uh, in the evening. And so um, I won't keep him here too long, but long enough to ask some questions okay. about his leadership pathway. So let's get started, mate. Your leadership and its beginning. So can you point to where things started for you? I've probably always wanted to be a leader I guess or had tendencies to do things in that capacity I've always never never was able to be put in a box and always thought differently and since I was a very young kid I wanted to be a professional athlete and was pushing myself and pushing the boundaries to do that and that led to that mindset I guess where I really just believed in myself and wanted to you know try and build towards different visions and uh, it evolved over time and into the work that I do now. But I think it's probably been a natural thing for me. It's how I thought probably being growing up in the family I grew up in, having you know the father of I have who was very successful in politics. I think seeing that as well instilled in me this you know belief that to to become a leader myself and uh, and yeah, it was I probably never thought about it properly, but I think it really did. You know, you grow up with it from a very young age, and it sort of instills it in you. And there's something about sports that is a common theme across people that I've been speaking to, and you've brought it up again. And I, it's interesting that that you've gotten there. And yeah, I guess family also can play a role in where you go with your leadership because I, I look at your profile, obviously, and, and you've done work as an ambassador, and and you do work in that mental health space. Let me ask you then, mate. You've you've obviously worked in different areas and seen a lot of life and leaders in in the different sectors that you've worked across. Give me your definition of leadership. Yeah, my definition of leadership would be uh, I think you really need to be able to understand yourself and other people, and I think being able to uh, guide people in the right direction without and and help people get excited about your vision and share share in that vision so not not telling people what to do but really having having the personality traits where you can you can get people excited and like I was saying on board with your vision and have them invested in it as much as you are um, and incentivized in their own way uh, to achieve that so being able to do that and I think so much psychology goes into that and I think a lot of that naturally you're born with and you can learn some of it um, I think for me you know I the other work I do is as an actor and and through the mental health work, actually, I think I've sort of had to, and through the mental health battles I've been through, I've had to learn so much about myself and always have had a fair bit of self-awareness or just a very um, over overly active mind, which has made me think about so many things. And I think what I learned in acting, I think applies to so many other things, which you've got to, if you, if you're an actor, you can't really play another character unless you know yourself inside out, because how are you going to understand on an emotional level where that other character is coming from if you don't even know yourself properly? And I think that really applies to, to leadership as well. Sure. In that vein, is there a particular individual or individuals helped you come to this definition, Nick? I, I guess I've always had mentors, um, which I think is critical. So probably the first one was my uncle. Um, and he sadly passed away during 
COVID. Uh, he had motor neuron disease for about 10 years. So he actually lived longer than expected. But he, he sort of understood me since I was a very young kid. And when I was going back to sport, that really has been, you know, the most pivotal thing in my life of wanting to be an athlete and sort of set up a foundation for so many things, positive and negative. Um, but he saw a lot of himself in me where I was just obsessive and hyper-focused and as, you know, a 12-year-old kid training six hours a day, actually unhealthy amounts. But he would come and, you know, train three nights a week with me, take me to all my football games and athletics running races and then when I got into acting the same thing so I've had people like him running coaches I've had you know I've currently got mentors in business been fortunate to have really good people around me that can guide me and that I can learn from and I think it is it really is critical because you know there's people out there that that have been through these things or have achieved what you know in whatever field you're in that you're trying to achieve and they can help really cut your learning curve and, and help you avoid certain mistakes. Yeah, I can uh, 100% agree with the, the critical nature of um, having a mentor or, or multiple mentors, and it sounds like you have. So in your time in leadership roles, how do you measure success, mate? I would measure success on, on impact rather than, than sort of purely the financial side. So I'd, I'd measure it on how much impact um, are we having, um, I guess for myself, it's in the mental health wellness industry. And I'd also measure success on uh, the people that are working with me on this vision. How, how fulfilled are they? You know, are they getting th their own personal needs met? Are they career-wise achieving what they want? So I'd measure it on those two broad levels. I think there's a lot of other levels you can measure it on, obviously, but I'd really, you know, look at it in that way. Number one for me is is purpose, and am I working towards that purpose? And because um, I think anyone can make money, but I think you know, you, it's important that we identify what, how do we want to, where do we want to actually put our time, and where, what what impact do we want to try and make on the world, rather than just doing something for the sake of doing it. I appreciate that response. So if I can dig just a little deeper, do you believe then that if, if, if we take your response to that next level, that the financial success just comes from meeting those other objectives that aren't financial? So if people are sticking to purpose and, and they're there for the good of others, not necessarily themselves, that you'll, you will see success financially as a result of that? Is that the connection there? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, it, I think, you know, and it, it can often take longer if you're doing it through that way, because you're, you're not chasing the quick sort of dollar, but I think it always will come. And I think more importantly, if you do things really from, from that level of trying to make that impact and you stick to it, uh, once you do have success, I think it's 10 times more sustainable than just being opportunistic. And, and then again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being opportunistic or with just doing something because, you know, I've got a lot of friends even who are incredibly successful in startups and their actual goal was, I just want to make a business that makes a shitload of money. And I don't, I don't care what industry, I don't care what it is. And I, and, you know, then they're like, look, I don't actually have an interest in this, what it's actually doing. My, for them, their interest is I'm interested in creating businesses and I, I get that. For me, I'm 100% not like that. I'm not wired that way. If I can't see meaning and purpose, and I'm probably to an unhealthy level, if I can't see meaning and purpose in what I'm doing, I can't do it. So I guess I can only talk from 
you know, my personal point of view of how the way I see it, but everyone's yeah got different motives, I guess. That's an awesome answer. I, 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 maybe you should write the book. I'm, I'm in this to make a shitload of money like that. And and the people that think like that, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I think it's always a subjective judgment call f- from those that aren't the person setting up the business. So from the outside looking in, I am a realist in that there will be, if I met 100 nicks in the world, maybe 70 of those of those people will be purpose driven and the money will come after and the other 30% will be no we're just here to make a shit ton of money and that's that's what we're geared to do and i think you need a mix of those things and there'll be some that lay somewhere in the middle so they see an importance of generating that income but they're driven in part by the people that are around them and to try and make them better making mistakes so do you see that as a good part of the process to being successful or do you try and avoid them as much as is humanly possible? Um, yeah, no, I love that question. And I, I actually released a, a book last year and talked a huge amount about that topic in, in the book. And I think, you know, things like failure, making mistakes, I personally think are critical. I think, you know, failure and what I talk about in my mental health work and in Move Your Mind, you know, the stuff we're educating people on, I look, I talk about it in reframing failure because I think, you know, the word failure sounds negative. I, I actually look at things where I'm thinking, I hope I can fail. I, I want to fail, but because I don't think it's failure. It's like you, if, you're, if you've got a goal, one of two outcomes is going to happen. You're either going to actually achieve the goal or if you don't achieve it, you're going to learn something and we learn significantly more when things don't go our way and we so-called fail you know so I think if you can approach it that way where it's like I'm just going to put my best foot forward and if things don't go the way that I'm hoping I'm actually going to learn more and you know I think we don't learn a huge amount from just getting our way all the time so I think the only problem is if you're not actually changing your sort of approach when you do have those lessons but provided you're doing that I think it's an incredibly positive thing and it's character building and I think the the point again is not even about how much money we have or how much success it's about what we actually can learn ourselves and the person we can become and you know if to simplify it I guess if you're lying on your deathbed you're not going to be sitting there thinking, oh, I, um, you know, I remember that time when I did that million dollar deal and when I got all this validation from this person and this and that, and you're not going to give a shit about that. You're going to be sitting there thinking, am I proud of what I did? Did I spend time with people that I love? What, what did I do to help other people? You know, it's going to be pretty simple, the stuff you think about. So I try and remind myself of that all the time because I can otherwise get, you know, carried away with the other, other thoughts. I'm glad you said it out loud first because I've had that thought once or twice that at the end of a of a hopefully good life lived for other people, not just yourself. If you're thinking about the business deal that went down not well, um, possibly not the best of life uh, you've led, and I can't disagree with anything that you've said. In fact, I often see it written, and would love to get your view on this: that failures should be looked at either as as challenges or opportunities to do things different you do you subscribe to that view of it that a, a failure the lead up to a failure at whatever level is really a challenge that hasn't been met oh definitely i mean i get i think it's pretty much what i said before where if we're you know if we fail you're, you're going to learn so you're either yeah it, it's going to either and yeah another interesting thing and i've had this happen so many times in my life actually right now with a, a tv project i'm involved in where you know, five years ago, I'll look at things I was trying to do and what I, and things that just fell apart. 
And at the time I thought my life was over. I was devastated. I could barely get out of this rut. I couldn't believe it. And then I look back now and I think, okay, if those things didn't happen then, it would have put me on a certain path, which would have prevented me now being in a position where I'm actually having an opportunity present itself that I couldn't have even imagined or you know plotted in my mind. But that only came about because things didn't go my way. So I think we often, in the moment when things are happening, we can't understand where it's leading. But you know, hindsight is where when we can understand it. So it's having that belief and trust in things. I mean, John Lennon said a good quote about it where life only makes sense backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And I think that's like how we, you know, need to remind ourselves that, which is hard to do. I find it hard to do, but, you know, we need to somehow find a way to trust that things are going to be okay. Yeah, agreed. I fall into the category of when things go wrong, sometimes I'll catastrophize what comes next as yeah. opposed to trying to find positive in it. That And you, and you learn to deal with that, I, I think, as you get some years uh, under your belt and you, you live some life. And I, I doubt that any leader that you run into hasn't had an opportunity where things have not gone to plan and they've learnt from it. And I think to to end this segment, I think what you've said is, you know, if, if you have a failure or there's not success or there's a challenge you didn't meet, as long as you're learning from that experience and you're going to become a better leader, if not a better human being, but when you don't learn from those and you keep making those errors and mistakes, and it's then it's something else entirely. So, yep, I agree 100%, mate. Leader capabilities. Now, this this part of the discussion, and, and you've hinted at them, but I just want you to maybe identify them if you've got any in your mind at, at the moment, Nick, is can you identify some leader capabilities that you think are critical for effective leadership? I think, you know, being being patient is really important. I think being able to control your emotions is really critical. I think it's, and you know, that that's probably the area that I still struggle with the most. I'm a lot better at it. I guess having the self-awareness about it is what's helped me and having people that keep me accountable when, when it's happening, you know, when my mind goes on that tangent, I could be sitting at the computer and you're not thinking clearly. So it's sort of, instead of trying to think your way out of it, it's sort of getting up, going for a walk, and then your head clears and you can go back. So I think being able to regulate your emotions is really important. I think having a work ethic and being realistic is important as well. And, you know, being able to withstand a lot of discomfort, I think is critical because if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to probably, you know, have more responsibility than a lot of people and be taking on a lot more pressure and stress. So, you know, I think they're all attributes that are, are really important. And, and, and I think being, you know, committed to, to doing something, even when things look bleak or when there seems like there's no solution, not giving up, not quitting and being able to really, you know, be there and support and, you know, um, be that sounding board for the people that you're trying to share in that vision. Yeah. Thank you for that list. I think the one that pops out for me that I've seen a lot of discussion on recently is that regulating uh, yourself and regulating your emotional response is quite an important one these days. And I think, I think during COVID, it has really identified those leaders that don't potentially know how to control their own emotional response to some things that has that deficit has come out. But again, the opportunity there is learn some techniques to control that and you'll get a significantly better outcome. Nick, almost there, mate. Nature versus nurture. So are leaders born or are they made? Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I think my answer to that in any scenario and and in leadership is it's a combination of both. I think you are born with certain attributes that can lend itself to being a leader. I mean, I think some people are probably born with just 
not having that attribute or not wanting to be a leader. A lot of, I know a lot of people who actively couldn't think of anything worse than being in that position and having to do it again. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of jealous of them because I think a lot of it is nature because for me, you, you know, you talked about at the beginning of this about how we, it's like, you know, we a sucker for pain, you know, putting ourselves in and, and I'm like that. And I, it's not, it's not even a choice for me. It's like, I have these things that I feel so strongly about doing that if I didn't do it and I have only once in my life tried not to do it and I became depressed beyond belief and just lost my shit. So it's not really a choice. It's like, okay, I got to do it. So I think there is massively that nature part, but then nurture plays a huge part in it. You know, I think how we're parented, what our experiences are growing up, what our self-esteem's like, what people do we have around us? What sort of mentors do we have? Uh, you know, because you could you grow up in a family where your parents are telling you that you're a piece of shit and you can't do anything or that, you know, you get bullied at school and you, you know, you, you just have the life beaten out of you and that can really be hard to recover from. And again, that, that circles back to why I feel so strongly about what I do with Move Your Mind and trying to educate, you know, schools, companies, individuals about how can we not only understand mental health and wellness, but how can we be more preventative in finding holistic ways to, to change this whole you know, pattern? That's a great response. I'll, before I go, I'll, I'll make it uh, official here in terms of a response from me. It, it's good that you work in that mental health space. I, I work in the commercial seafood industry space when I'm, when I'm not doing my podcasting and mental health issues are huge in my industry. But what I'm finding talking to people in other industries is that it's the silent problem in a lot of industries, just some get more airplay than others. And I think the um, yeah. healthy conversations about mental health issues is something that is one of those taboos that uh, we need people like you and others to start um, putting some light on because it's not a difficult conversation. It's the most important one you can have for some people. And and once you once you get past that that hump, and particularly things like the "Are you okay?" campaign, a very simple question to ask someone. The the bit that is of interest to me as as someone who's curious about these things and and wants the best mental health outcomes for everybody or I would not wish um, poor mental health on anyone is if you ask that question, are you okay? And somebody says, no, I'm not is knowing then how to help or at least provide some guidance for that person for that next step. And that's always been the fear for me is that yeah. you, you don't want to provide wrong information in as much as you want to listen and help the person sometimes vent. And I found that in my travels, especially with leaders, give someone five minutes to get their shit off their liver and you'll find that that can lift a weight off their shoulders because they've got someone to talk to about that particular issue. So more power to you for yeah. doing what you're doing in mental health, mate. And um, Nick, final question. Uh, and this one I'm interested to get your perspective on. If you could go back to a younger version of Nick Brax, what would you say to yourself about being a more effective leader? God, there'd be a lot of things. I would, but I'd probably be saying uh, that to take your time, learn, learn more before you sort of jump in. And, you know, I, I guess I was, you know, at that time pretty brash and wasn't a good leader at that point, really. I was sort of all over the place. So I'd be saying, look, just find the right people to put around you, put in the work and find something to focus on and uh, do it for the right reasons. Nick, thank you for that. Before we go, um, can you give us a bit of a plug to what you're doing with Move Your Mind before we uh, wrap things up, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Move Your Mind is a mental health wellbeing company. Uh, we've got a pod, it's all, there's a whole range of sort of, it's like a media company where we've got 
the Movie Mind podcast. I released the Movie Mind book last year. We run audio and video and live seminar programs in schools and companies. Yeah, if people want to find out about it, you can, if you go to my Instagram, which is just Nick Brax, all the, the links will be in my bio or on Linktree. I've got all the links to yeah, the podcast book courses and everything else. Yeah, mate, I'll make them available on the description of the podcast. So Nick Brax, thank you for your time, mate. Thank you so much for having me, mate. That was great. For those listening, uh, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for joining us again and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast.